Hey everybody, this is your host, Petey, of 8mm Dissection. I'm doing a little introduction to the show today just because this one's a little bit different from what we normally do. Um, let's see, I'll just it's three basic parts. So uh, the first thing that's different is this is going to be a two-part episode. So you're getting the first hour and a half today, and then I'll send out the other half uh, probably midweek or so. Um, Aside from that, I didn't do this one with the hamster or any of the other guests that we've had. This is a new guy and actually a fellow podcaster and one of the inspirations for why this show is even running today. Um, if you haven't read the description, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spoil who it is yet because uh, you'll just hear all that later. So uh, we're doing it in two parts, hour and a half each. Uh, got it. We did this one with a guest. I'm really excited about that. It was a movie that I was really stoked for. Uh, so it just... It made sense to at least let you guys know that I also was drinking during this whole thing, and boy, did it get sloppy. We haven't heard me get this sloppy since, uh, what was it, maybe the first Jeepers Creepers we did? I don't remember which one, but man, it was in, it was one of our earlier episodes. Um, I was drinking straight whiskey, and I don't normally do that, but that cinnamon whiskey shit, it's just so tasty. It goes down so easy. And uh, next thing you know, good old Jim Beam was kicking me in the ball sack, and I couldn't even figure out my words right. Um, so excuse the sloppiness that happens in the second half, but uh, all in all, this was a fun-ass episode. Great movie. This is probably my fourth or fifth watch through. Um, it, just get No matter what, just watch this movie because it's going to be something you've never seen before, even if you think it's retarded by the time it's done or you understand like the silly awesome that it really is or if you care about the backstory, whether or not any of that stuff exists. I think it's worth seeing because you will walk away and think that was unique. Um, yeah, but, and again, I'll get into all this shit in the show. For now, uh, here's the theme music, everybody, and I will talk to you in a little bit. PD out! And welcome to 8mm Dissection, folks. This is PD as always. That said, this is going to be a little bit different of an episode this week. Let's start by saying I have been waiting for this one for a while, and I just wasn't sure how I was going to approach it. I wasn't sure if Josh was going to be into the movie, and I didn't want to do it alone again like the first episode. That seems like it was maybe a little much of my voice. (laughs) I just need someone else to conversate with. So I was waiting for the right person to do this one with, and I think I found the right one, and it just clicked, and it all came together. He was down, so we just we ran with it. Uh, This one's Tusk, folks. Uh, It's a Kevin Smith movie, and if you've never heard of it, and you're not a Kevin Smith fan, maybe do your research before diving in, because this one's kind of a doozy. Um, Not like most, well, for Kevin Smith, for that matter, it's not like anything he's done, and then it's definitely not like most horror movies that you've ever seen. Um, It's kind of uh, a human centipede light, uh, just not quite as weird and graphic, I guess. Um, But this is just one that I've been looking forward to for a long time, uh, because this this whole movie and how it spawned is what made this entire show start. Um, and that, so it just kind of has its, its place in its heart. So I'm, I'm just really excited to, to be here and be able to do this with somebody else that I know is really into Kevin Smith. Um, I've got Sean from Language of Bromance here. Say hi, Sean. Hey, man. What's up? Oh, I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> I wasn't sure if this was going to pan out, but here we are. And we're, I'm, I'm just stoked. I'm speechless yeah. almost. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I've listened to your show quite a bit. I know, uh, um, like, like you said, Tusk and... The whole Kevin Smith kind of thing at, at this point in his career really spawned a lot of podcasters, and this is really 
about the time frame that Richard and I decided to do a podcast, I believe it was probably like right about a year after this podcast came out, um, when, when the podcast inspired him to make this flick, that's really when we got off our asses and started our show, The Language of Bromance. So, um, like I said, there's a lot of emotional things tied to this flick. So not only is it a good flick, but you kind of got that stuff in there too, which is awesome. Right, right. And, and I think that's what I was most excited about is that I knew this was going to be something that you and I could kind of fawn over in a way that I may not necessarily get with other friends. It's just, it's, it's so close that I figured share that with somebody who it's close with as well. So why not? So let's just get this underway, huh? Since uh, there's a lot of dialogue and it might be tough to sift through, we should probably just get moving right out of the gate. Um, so this, as we've kind of talked about, is a movie spawned out of a podcast, um, just like this one, I suppose. Well, more like Sync than this one, but whatever, regardless. Um, yeah, just two dudes fucking around, and they came up with a fun idea to make this crazy, silly, graphic kind of horror movie, and I'm just, I, I think this is going to be exciting. So let's get a jump right out of the gates with it. So uh, as the credits start to roll, you hear two guys laughing, and then it just kind of jumps into the fact that you can see if you're familiar with podcasts that that's definitely what they're doing. They're recording a podcast show or a radio show and uh, they're just two dudes having a good time like you would really expect and uh, they're sharing a video at the moment called The Kill Bill Kid. Um, it's this kid out of Canada who's kind of like, uh, what would you call it, Sean? Uh, what, what's what I, I'm looking for? He's like the, the lightsaber kid that they're... That- the, that video's been floating around for a while. He's, you know, he's got the samurai sword. He's just, you know, swinging all over the place. And, uh, you know, the guys are watching this video and they're, they're basically trying to say like, Hey, like this is, this is something funny is going to happen. Um, and they get it from one of their, their viewers their listeners. Uh, and I mean, I don't know if like right out of the gate, you see their name and it's the Nazi party, yeah. which <laughs> was, I mean, there's so many great lines that deal with that in this flick where they talk about calling themselves the Nazi party. But, uh, yeah, and they always call it all hail the Nazi party, which is at the end of the, the clip or at the beginning of the clip that the kids sent in for him. I got to say that's some of my favorite wordplay in this entire movie is the whole Nazi party thing. <laughs> the, so uh, kind of outside of the movie, but um, when I went to see the movie, I saw it uh, Thursday it came out. And I got back to work the next day and I'm sitting over lunch. I'm like, you know, I wonder if there's a Nazi party Twitter handler, Twitter handle. Well, there wasn't, so uh, I, I guess I, I am the proud owner of the Nazi Party <laughs> Twitter handle. <laughs> Have you put that to any good use? Uh, it's got like 500 followers, but yeah, there's not... After the movie didn't really you know blow up like I was hoping it would, it kind of just sits out there, so I tweet on it every now and then, but nothing crazy. That's hilarious. It would almost be fun to just see how Kevin Smith would react if he noticed that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think uh, Ming Chen actually follows it. Oh, and really? I, I, yeah, and I messaged him like, hey, I don't really want this account, so if you guys need it, just let me know. It's yours, but uh, nobody ever really got back to me on it or anything. Oh, so. bummer. That is kind of like the biggest thing that's a, a real shame about this movie, and maybe it is that we're close to a kind of thing that made this happen, but it's kind of a bummer this didn't get the traction that I would have thought this would have. It has the uniquity that you'd think would set it apart for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean it's well shot. That's the first thing I really noticed because when you first when he first really started talking about making this movie, he's like it's super cheap. You know, we've got Jason. Uh, oh shit, I forgot his name. Jason. Uh, no, oh, why am I blanking now? Don't uh, do this to me. Sorry, Jason oh, Long, Justin yeah, Long, not Justin even Jason. Long. There you go. <laughs> you know, you got him in it, and they've worked together before. He's a great actor. Um, and what I love is that they start out with something that not too many people know. It's a podcast. It's two guys sitting there talking about 
just the you know this video, this weird video that they've seen. You know, they they're in this you know masturbatory man cave with their <laughs> pictures all over the place. Quote. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's I mean that's really the first thing I noticed. Cause I took actually kind of another funny thing is I took my mother in law to see this movie. Oh, I remember you talking about that. And uh, you know she's she's listening to this podcast thing because she knows I podcast, so it's like yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. It's just two dudes making dick and fart jokes. <laughs> it's bonobos banging in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a little well raunchy and real, I guess is how he describes it. Um, so yeah, they're just uh, talking some shit about this kid and laughing at him. And well, he ends up cutting his leg off in the video. I think you said that, but just to cover it in case. Um, so he just is bleeding on the floor, and they're laughing their asses off at this. Which I don't know, man. I mean, they didn't see it as graphics. We did. So like, I don't think that's worth a laugh at that point. Yeah, it's a little. I mean, it's a little extreme, definitely. For in a real world scenario where people are looking at videos like this, if it had just happened and the guy was still alive, I don't know if you'd laugh about it. You know, no, no, most of the time so. when people get hurt, you know, you know they're okay, then you laugh. But um, it's like that scenario where the person gets their leg bit off by a shark. You don't really laugh about it. <laughs> right, you take them serious until you get them out of the water and you see there's no blood. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, a note I kind of had in here, um, and I don't know how much of this you'd like to talk about, but. Um, you know, being a big Kevin Smith fan, I watched the movie and then I watched a lot of the commentary and followed up on a lot of stuff. But mm-hmm. the idea by the Nazi party, like the idea behind their podcast was the, in the first bit of the script, it was going to be that Wallace would go on these like sex, 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 capades. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trips out where he would go and just like bang all these random people. And then he'd come back and tell uh, Teddy about it. So he was, you know, t- he was going doing these things. Teddy was not seeing them, so it was the Nazi party. Makes sense. Um, when uh, Justin Long got on, he's like, listen, Kevin, if you do this, like nobody's going to care that I get put in a walrus outfit. They're going to be rooting for me to get in this walrus outfit <laughs> because I'm going to be <laughs> such a dick at this point. And, you know, as you get further in the movie, it doesn't really, you know, you really think he's still a dick pretty much for this whole flick. Yeah, you really do. You don't grow much remorse for this guy. No, not at all. I mean, sure, that situation's pretty pretty awful, but, like, he as a human is pretty awful. Yeah. He's, he, yeah. he grovels at the last moment, of course, like anyone would, but it doesn't make you a better person. It's just that, that part was almost hard to watch because it felt so real in some ways. Just the emotional battery. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so they finish up the, uh, the podcast, and they, you get the, credit se- or the title scene of Tusk. And he jumps right into going on the airport where he's heading into Canada, which I think you get a great um, interaction between him. And, and I think this guy's a YouTube star. Uh, yeah, he is, actually. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, right after the whole thing, they discussed how he's going to go to Canada and meet and interview this kid. And uh, boom, title screen, Tusk, all that good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, then you see him landing in Canada. And uh, this guy, that he, this customs officer, is the dude from uh, Epic Mealtime. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's the main dude from Epic Mealtime. And boy, oh boy, did I not expect this level of <laughs> hilarity from him. I mean, those videos are cool, but man, he kills this role. Like, these, some of my favorite lines of the whole movie come out of this little bit. Uh, yeah, so, you get your great introduction to Kevin Smith, kind of comedic back and forth writing in this scene right, right by itself. Dude, it's perfect. How about you uh, lead off the start of this scene? Yeah, so the main thing, he's going in there, he's passing his customs around, he's like, you know, oh, New Jersey, huh? He's like, yeah, 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 but, you know, now I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles. And he's like, oh, between devils and, uh, kings and devils, or devils and kings. 
Uh, and, you know, of course, uh, Wallace doesn't understand. He, like, hits him. He's like, oh, yeah, hockey. I see what you're saying. He's like, I really don't follow hockey. Right away, that, you got your Canada do's and your Canada don'ts. <laughs> Just watching the dude's face change when he's like, Oh yeah, I don't really pay attention to hockey. Like the whole demeanor of this guy is just like, mm, <laughs> wait a second, we're letting you in this country? What's, what? Uh, all right, well, we got your can of do's and your can of don'ts. It's so perfectly fucking delivered. I absolutely lost my mind the first time I watched this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was such, I mean, I don't know if you got to see this this movie in like a movie theater or anything. I didn't. I was pretty uh, bummed. I, I actually fell into it uh, when we were just out of theaters, like probably about two, three weeks uh, completely out of theaters. Gotcha. Yeah, both showings I went to, there was like maybe four or five people in the whole theater, oh, which man. was so sad. But the best thing is like when I'm sitting there, like this big burly kind of bearded guy, it looks almost like the guy from Epic Meal Time. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there uh, by myself for like 10 minutes before the movie starts. I'm like, I might get to watch this movie by myself. And this guy kind of walks in, and I, I wave. I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not the only one. And just like Kevin Smith fans, he's like, oh, great, a new friend. Hooray. <laughs> Did he come and squat right next to you? No, he ended up sitting a little ways in front of me. But uh, oh, How it, epic would that have been? Just yeah. sits next to you, puts the pop in the, in the holder that you guys share. He's offering <laughs> you popcorn, chumming up. <laughs> but, I, but, I mean, again, this movie is very much a Smodcast, Kevin Smith, you know, fandom thing because – you you know you're in there with people who are who get it. You know they make these different jokes like the Canada jokes. You know, right. Smodcast is always talking about Canada and they're very Canadian centric. And you get all those jokes as you go through it with the hockey, with the Canada do's and don'ts. Um, I can't remember how he says it, but he basically talks about how like Canada Canadians don't get sad. And he uh -huh. points back at the flag. Oh, <laughs> that was part of the. It's actually how the the hockey thing plays out. He's like. Uh, Oh, yeah, when he just says the, the hockey and his demeanor changes, you got your Canada's, he's like, oh, I, he's one of the things he says, yeah, you don't say you don't like hockey. He's like, oh, it makes you sad. He's like, nope, Canadians don't get sad. He's <laughs> like, you down in the United, you can see it, it's right there. He points up at the Canadian flag, it's right there on the wall. You Americans down south, you got your red, your white, and your blue, but we Canadians up here, we got the red, the white, but we're never blue, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it was another one of those perfect Canadian lines that I was losing. This this whole scene, like I said, is just so funny to me because <laughs> it plays off of all those puns that they play on on the show. It just it, it brought you right back to how the whole thing was made. I loved it. Well, and you think, okay, so like after after they get this little back and forth talk, you think, okay, now they're getting back into business. And he says, you know, what are you doing here in Canada? And he goes like, well, you know, I'm doing this podcast, you know, I'm, it's, you know, for the, the Nazi party. He's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. He's like, no, 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 no not, not, not Nazi like Hitler Nazi. Wait, wait, we don't say, we don't say Hitler in an airport. It's like, oh, that's gold. <laughs> so, yeah, no, 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 not that, not that Nazi. Oh, geez, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty much the end of that scene. He just gets stamped at that point. And he's like, okay, you're into Canada kind of thing. Um, so let's see here. Where do we go next? Uh, next, he pull, pulls up to the house, right? Yeah, so next he's coming into the funeral. And, and this is where I really get like a sense of hating Wallace. Um, as he's walking up, uh, I can't remember if it's here or not. I've got it written down, but um, you hear the ringtone on his phone? <laughs> yeah. Which is from uh, Ralph Garman from... Uh, Hollywood Babylon. Yep. It's his. Um, uh, which character is it that he's it's doing? It's Pacino. Yeah, it's Pacino. Yeah, more yeah, margaritas. 
but uh. <laughs> I, I looked for months for that ringtone. I would pay twenty dollars for that ringtone. That would be so fun. They have they already kind of put out the ringtones with Edge of Vacation. They do their meow Italica thing. Oh, nice. You, you could almost just throw that right in with that. That would be fantastic. People would pay a dollar for that. Oh, heck yeah. Happily. I know I would. So, and, the, and this is the part where I really start to hate Wallace. Because, you know, as he's walking up, he's, he's like, what's going on? Where is everybody? Why is, why is there so many cars here? And you walk around back, and you end up finding out that, and I guess, I mean, obviously this is a whole spoiler field because we're talking about it, but. Yeah, no, this show, I thought about changing the name at one point to something like spoilers, just so people kind of got the point before they'd even dove in. Like 8 millimeter spoilers? Yeah, exactly. Dissection is not quite on the head, whereas <laughs> spoilers would kind of get the point across. But, but oh I mean, well. But as he walks around, you see this mom just bawling her eyes out because her son killed himself, and he's just like, oh, fuck. And it's not like an aw fuck, like, oh man, like this is really sad. It's more of like, I came all this fucking way for nothing. What a waste. After ignoring his girlfriend's phone call, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Rude. And it was very, like, the look on his face is really what sells that whole, like, you're kind of a dick. You could tell you're ignoring her just because you're that guy. Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it probably way too much, but Justin Long was freaking amazing in this movie. I, I mean, have always been a fan. Oh, yeah, he's so good. I mean, Jeepers Creepers, when you guys talked about that, like, he was great in that movie. I um, loved it. He, he's just great in everything I've seen him in. Yeah, I, I think he absolutely crushed it. I mean, Michael Parks gets a lot of credit from Kevin Smith, but, I mean, really, in my opinion, for the role that he had to play, Justin Long crushed it. He knocked oh, yeah. it out of the park. Yeah, and I mean, you get, so, I mean, this scene's really just kind of a quick, like, you get the sense of, okay, he's wasted his time to come up here, you know, the mom's crying, they're at a funeral, there's not a whole lot there besides the fact you kind of see that he's kind of a dick in this scenario, but you get reassured of that as he goes back to, uh, he gets a cut scene where he's in a bar, he's in Bar H, yeah, is what bar it's called, H. and he's is talking. Is there a reference to that at all that I missed? I felt like it, they really lingered on that sign for a while. No, the only thing I could think of, because, I mean, I've, I've tried to figure out what the meaning of was behind that, and the only thing I could think of in my last viewing um, is that it was Bar H and there's hockey sticks. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if maybe it was supposed to represent, like, H-E double hockey sticks, like oh, hell. Oh, okay. That's the only thing I could really think of that it might have right. meant. Yeah, that's better conclusion drawing than I did, being as how I got nowhere. <laughs> But you see him sitting there, and he's I, I don't know if he's talking to Teddy or his voicemail. Um, I, I don't think I've ever really figured that out. It really seems like he's talking more to the voicemail. Yeah, it just does. leaving a message of, like, you know, how could this kid do this, this fucking prick? You know, why would he kill himself? Why couldn't he just wait one more day? It's like, <laughs> yeah, good <right>. lord. <laughs> Holy shit, self-centered jerk. Yeah, this wow. kid. You know, you're coming up here just to make fun of this kid. And I guess he called him to come up. And he's still, you know, even thinking that you're coming up maybe to make him feel good, he still takes his own life and you're making jokes about it. Right, right. Yeah, what a... Oh, God, that that's so frustrating. Like, his character really... Well, again, it comes right back to what we were just saying is how, how good he was. It, he, you really get pissed off at this guy because he plays being that asshole just so well. Well, and, yeah, and most of the time, like when he's talking with some other people, he just comes off as a, as a like a pompous jerk. Mm -hmm. But at this point, like he's talking about somebody who had some issues that killed themselves. And he's like, you know what? I, I have a podcast. Do you know how, how important I am? I have this podcast that makes money and you're ruining my trip here. I wasted my time. Now I got to find a fucking trip back home. 
You're like, good lord, dude, come on, ease up a little bit. This is all riding on just after the scene where he's with this uh, customs guy, and he has to explain what a podcast even is <laughs> <Exactly>. to him. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you're it. all high on Mike. <laughs> Nobody even knows what you do. <laughs> I've got it written down somewhere in here where it really gives the feeling like he's a, a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. Like he's got, you know, he's successful in his show. You know, he's li- making a living off of it. But it's still just, it's, I mean, to the wider audience of people who don't realize what a podcast is, it's still just like, oh, it's kind of that fun thing you do with your friend, huh? It's like, yeah, but you don't realize that I'm in the 1% of this fun thing I do. And boy, is it fun. It's a great time. And they just, yeah, you can't understand that unless you're in it, I guess. You know, you're a part of that world. You're experiencing. You think it, you think it's interesting and all that stuff. You're probably just like, oh, what are you? Well, them kids these days. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I f- and I feel like this. I don't know if it necessarily would be this movie, but um, it's almost like the the movie or the the motivation for Kevin Smith that really launched like probably a thousand podcasts. Oh, for sure. I mean, every time you hear him do a live Q and A on any of his shows, it's somebody who started a podcast because of him. Oh yeah. I mean, There's that's always one. And what I love, too, about, about this whole thing is um, I kind of started getting into to podcasting, like I said, about a year after. But it was really the, the Q&A he did on this, The Musk of Tusk, where he talks about um, writing and how it's like the only time you'll ever get to play God kind of thing. And that really triggered something in my mind to be like, OK, like we already had our show. And I really wanted to be more creative than just our show. Yeah. And that triggered the whole idea of like, man, maybe I can do this writing thing. Let me try this writing thing out. And it's just, I mean, it's its really great to have somebody who's like, listen, there's no, there's no like gatekeeper in this stuff. It's like, just, you know, go do it. What's it going to hurt? Right. And, and that, that sentiment alone, it really does mean that, I mean, that Musk of Tusk episode that you're talking about, I remember specifically listening to that at work and thank God I worked behind a curtain all by myself because I had tears. Oh like, yeah, It definitely. was just so heartfelt and touching the way he talks about guys, you can do this too. And like I said, that's half the reason on top of like you guys literally proving that you can just do it. And I was like, yeah, look at this. There's people all around me that are following his advice and I'm not doing it. And I know I want to. So just sure enough. And here we are now. You've inspired me. Kevin's inspired me. And now we're all kind of coming full circle here on one episode. I love it. Yeah, I was trying to find. So the um, the main thing for that musket test, because it all really ties into this. Um if I can read his quote, if you're okay with that, because yeah, some kid came up and he said, hey, how do you get motivated to write? And and this is the part that teared me up. Like I, I, I was at work too and I had to stop. And um, I think over my lunch break, I wrote an email to the Smodcast email, like being like, hey, dude, this is like, I'm going to start writing because of this. Um, and what he basically said is, uh, he said, every once in a while, you just remember like, oh my Lord, this is the closest I'll ever come to playing God. Because you sit there with something, blank page, your laptop, whatever, and you just start filling it with words and what people would say, and you just slowly build this universe and build this reality. And then the fun is, can you finish it? And then the fun of that is, can you turn it into a movie? What will it sound like if people say it? And when I heard that, I'm like, it's, it's not that difficult to do. I've got a laptop. I've got blank pieces of paper. You know, and you go out and you just you create this art, and it's. I, I always, uh, I always hope that he's like extremely, uh, like sincere with what he says, like he's not just doing a service to people, because um, I mean, like, like I said, he's probably launched a thousand podcasts just on his own, with his voice. So, I, sorry, I digressed a little bit, but. 
little bit of my audio right here, so sorry for the weird skip, but the rest of the show should be just fine. Sorry. Yeah, I think you're you're probably in kind of the same boat. I, like you're you're Midwest North, and I'm kind of like mid Midwest. And the whole idea is like, I mean, who's going to listen to a show that some kid does in the Midwest? Like, I have I have like 20 followers on my personal Twitter account, and they're all porn bots. You know, n- nobody's going to listen to my stuff. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like you're uh, you send us an email uh, after one of our episodes saying like, hey, you know, I listened to your episode. You know, and then you mentioned like it kind of helped you get the kick in the ass to do yours. And I remember sending that email to Rich and be like, dude, look what what's happening with this. You know, people are listening to us a little bit and it just gives you that like, you know, OK, well, this does mean something. It does it, way more than I'm sure we could possibly fathom. I mean, for every one person that does contact you saying, hey, I like your show and this did this. Like how many aren't? Like there's so many people just don't speak up about that sort of stuff because they don't they, it may be awkward or they don't want to like put themselves in some sort of spot or anything like that. So like who knows how many are not go just hearing it from one, though, just lets you know that it is definitely out there. It, it's not just something that you're imagining in your imagination as some sort of grandiose idea. You, you know, this is actually for something other than just your own entertainment. It's really cool. Yeah, it's fun stuff, man. Um. So, uh, so yeah, so he's at the bar, right? So we kind of get back into the flick, I guess. Right, yeah. Now, this um, <laughs> digressing is pretty common, I suppose, in this I, show. And I'm sure we'll probably digress a lot more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the booze is not going to help me, I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I just had me an Irish coffee, so if I start, <laughs> if I start crying, please, please don't think any less of me. <laughs> <laughs> I will mentally pat you on the back and coddle you through it. Don't worry. It's like I never knew I'd cry over a walrus stick, but it's happening. <laughs> The musk of Tusk strikes again. <laughs> so, you know, he gets off the phone with Teddy. He does like a cuckoo-ca-choo, Which, what was that? Do you have any I have idea? no clue. It sounded like a weird bird call. That was the weirdest <laughs> thing. Because when it happened, at first I'm like, okay, like maybe that's like how they say goodbye to each other. Right. But then he like looks at the phone like, wait, did he hang up on me? Or did, did I run out of time on his voicemail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so he's like, oh, whatever. And that just kind of shows like what this Wallace guy is. is he doesn't care about anybody else but himself because he's like, oh, okay, well, fuck it. He can't hear whatever. So, hey, where's your pisser? I got to piss. <laughs> right. I wanted to see someone's face that was around him as he was making those bird call sounds. Yeah. I wanted a good reaction shot of just somebody like, what the fuck? <laughs> Maybe that's normal in Canada. I don't know. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of bird calls up here. <laughs> we, we're we're but, big fans of the owls, man. <laughs> But this is where we get the uh, the first real kind of in- insight to the the, the Tusk um, podcast because he he finds a note in the bathroom where he starts reading and there's a lot of word for words um, from the podcast that describe hey you know you know my name's Howard Hugh I've lived an interesting life you know and this really comes with that that gum tree uh, episode where you know this kid writes this gum tree entry and it's like hey you know I want you to come live with me. But for just you know a couple days of a couple hours out of each day, you need to dress up as a walrus. <laughs> Which, I mean, come on, who's responding to that and being like, "Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's my job. I need free housing." <laughs> like, come on. What's uh? What's in it? I mean, you see a lot of like I said, like the the Viewsq uh, Smodcast Universe stuff in this, and what he really explained is kind of like uh. 
um, the character uh, Wallace, he really feels like is his friend Brian Johnson who does the uh, um, uh, oh shit, sorry, brain fart. Um, tell him Steve Dave. Yeah, tell him Steve Dave. He does the Tell Him Steve Dave podcast. And I guess Brian Johnson is this kind of guy where if he like if he actually read this note and some dude's like, hey, I've lived a really interesting life. Why don't you come stay with me for a week? He's the kind of guy that would do that. <laughs> Which, if you've listened to any of his podcasts, that's that he does seem like the guy. Be like, hey, you're an interesting fellow. Let me sit in your basement, and you can tell me all these things. I would love to hear your travels of the sea, sir. <laughs> I, I find him very interesting. As uh, peripherally as I know who he is, I've watched a few episodes of uh, the well, basically the first season entirely, but nothing after that of Comic Book Men. Um, but I've never listened to tell him Steve Dave, but he sounds like such a character, like such an interesting guy to know. What a best friend to have based on everything I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I've, I listened to, I, I think a hundred or 120 of their episodes and, um, like their beginnings were really good because again, I mean, it's a podcast movie based off a podcast. You know, he was a guy who was, I guess, pretty depressed at one point and, talking with Kevin Kevin's like hey why don't you start a podcast man you know get out there and talk you know it you know it'll help might help you and I basically he claims that tell him Steve Dave really basically helped saved his life he was like you know I was on the box with the noose around my neck like I was done yeah and you know this show really got me one step off the box he talked about this on an episode of Smodcast right I think so yeah I'm pretty sure yeah I remember hearing about this and you know, and then his more recent uh, issue with the painkillers that he's overcome, and he's the guy sounds like a hell of a dude. I mean, he's got a constitution in him, but he needs something to fight for, is how it seems. And it just seeing someone find that is so cool, especially for something like a podcast. You know, it's it's, it's solo therapy of of sorts. I mean, depending on if you have guests and stuff, and you you can work through your ish. Because that's, I mean, what else is a therapist doing other than just talking with you and getting it out? Yeah, it all comes down to the human interaction part of it. Because I mean, you know, if you're doing it by yourself, there's still that two way communication of like your audience replying back to you, and you just feel like you're talking to somebody, right? And like you said, it's very much like it's that therapy that helps you get those things out. That otherwise, you just keep them inside, let them bottle, and I, you know. With, with our show, and it sounds like even with your show, when I've listened, you know, if I have a bad day at work or I'm having a bad week, when I get to do my show and just laugh for an hour, like, it makes everything so much better. So much better. It really it's, does just open up a door that, that isn't so easy to open all the time, especially with, you know, life coming at you a mile a minute all the time. Yeah, it's a nice hour. You turn your phone off, you just sit there and chit-chat for an hour, and that's all you are doing. Yeah, it's one of those few moments that you're disconnected in the modern society. It's very nice. But uh, uh, to pick back up on the movie, we uh, so he's found this ad now, and this guy's got this life at sea, all these stories he wants to tell, and naturally Wallace is in. He, he's found what he needs. So uh, he makes a phone call first, doesn't he? No, no, he doesn't. Well, yeah, the only other thing in the bathroom is you get the background of the tusks uh, right. from Fleetwood Mac. They play the, the little uh, cadence of that song. Right. <laughs> which, right. uh, which I've never heard that song before until I saw this movie. So I mean, that I've kind of become a fan of it since then. Oh, I haven't listened. To, I think it's interesting that Fleetwood Mac did the whole thing, but yeah, I haven't listened to them all that much, to be frank. 
Well, I guess that cost them like $250,000 to use that song. Right. I figured that's exactly what it was. They're like, well, we bought Fleetwood Mac. Let's just stick <laughs> with it. <laughs> I love the fact that I read that um, it cost them $250,000 to get that song, the rights to use that song in the movie. But the stipulation was, was like, yeah, but you can't use it in the trailer. It's like, good <laughs> Lord, how much is it going to cost to use this in the trailer? <laughs> Yeah, we don't want but, to be associated with this for anybody who doesn't end up seeing the movie. Yeah. Because most people that saw this movie, because he made reference to that song even in a couple of episodes, not during the actual Wallace and Carpenter episode, but he ended up making reference to that exact song. <laughs> I get, Yeah, I guess he just listened to it on repeat. Yeah. Which he, it does have that kind of beat to it throughout the whole film. It does. I, I agree. So uh, now he's got this this ad, I guess, and we cut to a gas station. Uh, it's called an A to Z. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those awesome little pun jokes. <laughs> there it is. There's the drum. There's the drum. <laughs> I grabbed that about five minutes ago. I was like, this is going to come in handy. There's more puns during this movie. <laughs> what I love about this is that, um, you know, uh, Johnny Depp's in this movie, so it was originally just supposed to be his daughter that was going to be the, the the convenience store girl. And so, I mean, one of my be- favorite lines, I guess it's not really with her, but as he's talking with Howard Hughes, he's like, so where do you live? He's like, Bite Frost. He's like, oh, Bite Frost, huh? Huh, that sounds erotic. <laughs> this whole scene is another one where you're like, Jesus, he is so obnoxious. Yeah. This dude is so oblivious to the people around him. Well, and you kind of wonder, so uh, I know I would kind of get bad with this with my wife, but I pretty much act like I'm doing a podcast like a lot when I'm with her. Yeah. You know, she'll say something, I'll throw out the jokes like I would with Richard. Yep. Um, And you wonder (laughs) if that's like what he's suffering from, like too much podcast overload, where he's like, okay, I've got a witty pun I want to throw out while I'm at this convenience store. (laughs) I got to work this muscle. (laughs) (laughs) Completely inappropriate right now, but I'm going to do it. But I'm flexing it. <laughs> it's good for a like and a you know an upvote on Facebook. Do you like my humor bicep? It's huge, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he almost feels like uh what you expect people think of us honestly in other cultures. Like he's this American caricature almost. Yeah, I mean they even kind of reference that later in the movie where they're like, "Oh, I'm American." Yep. <laughs> well, you get and even almost earlier a little bit with uh, the custom scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just stupid Americans, which is very much how Kevin Smith thinks with his, this whole True North trilogy spawned from his love for Canada and non-America. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like our health care. I guess I'll stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in this A to Z. He's uh, talking to Howard and uh, trying to get some directions. And he, he Bifrost, where the hell is that? Like uh, Rich said, or Rich, excuse me, like Sean said. <laughs> And uh, so he goes to these girls that are behind the counter. They're both like leaning against the wall on the phone. It's Kevin Smith and Johnny Depp's daughters for those who uh, are interested in that sort of thing. And uh, they're just sitting on their phones. And he's like, "Uh, so how far is Bifrost from here? And like takes a little second to get their attention. And they're like, shit, that's like far, like two hours. (laughs) And what does he say that they go? I hate American guys. Uh, he just repeats back on the phone. He's like, oh, it's a boot two oh, hours. right. The boot part. That's what it was. <laughs> I hate American guys. Oh, they said it's a boot two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Again, jackass. So now he's got his directions kind of, sort of. It's far away. He's got his chug-a-lug in hand. 
Uh, he loves that cup too. <laughs> I guess that's his thing is he likes these 52 to 64 ounce cups. <laughs> Just a good old kidney buster. Chug a lug. Uh, damn puns. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, now uh, Wallace is uh, traveling and all of a sudden, boom, we're at uh, Howard's house. What happens? Uh, yeah, he just pretty much gets there. And what I find interesting about this is, I don't know if it's just him or maybe it's just part of the movie to get going, but you know, he, he gets there, it's cold out, he's walking up to the front door. He doesn't knock, doesn't ring a doorbell, he just lets himself right in. Yeah, I thought that was a bit odd too. On the phone, I think he references that he's in a wheelchair in the, uh, in the convenience store, is that correct? Ah, uh, I I don't remember. I must have missed that part if he did. Yeah, I can't remember for sure. I, I was trying to rationalize why he would do that because I thought that was a bit odd as well. He just walks right in. Anybody in here? <laughs> Mr. Howe? Well, yeah, and you get like, oh, I'm up here. I'm upstairs. It's like, okay, you walk upstairs, and it's a dude in a wheelchair who, and it's like, how'd you get upstairs? <laughs> right. You know, I didn't see an electric scooter thing to pull you upstairs. <laughs> it was one of those cool little elevator things yeah. that rich people have. And I know I kept trying to watch because uh, I know in the trailer you see him standing behind Justin Long. So I was trying to figure out if like you could see his legs move any or if he switched the position of his legs much. But he pretty much kept him in the exact same position the whole time he's in the wheelchair. Oh, I didn't even look for that. Well, that's interesting that he held it that well. I think that'd be tough. Yeah, because I was kind of expecting some kind of like, oh, there's something weird about this dude because... The house is creepy. The story he starts to tell is creepy. It's like, okay, something's not right about this guy. And you're watching for any kind of tick to kind of prove that, you know, okay, this dude isn't what he seems. Right. But he's also there for a, a weird dude with a weird story. So at the same time, he's probably not going to shy away from a weird guy right away. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, this is uh, one strange cookie. I'll, I'll probably get some great material out of this sort of thing. I mean, if he's like Sasha Baron Cohen could, uh, willing to just go for it, you know. Like, I'll just stick to it. I'll play character as long as I have to, which that guy is crazy. Oh, yeah. I I listened to one of his uh, interviews recently. It's like, okay, yeah, I always stay in character even when the police are there. So did I, actually. Uh, Where'd you hear him on? Uh, The WTF podcast. Ah, He did an interview on there. I heard him on uh, Opie and Jim not too long ago. Okay. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, He seems like an interesting dude. Like He's like... No fucks given. I'm gonna do the thing for the the shot that I can. Yeah, yeah. It was actually uh, the the podcast was a splice of two episodes of well, they're a serious show, a serious satellite radio kind of network thing. Oh, okay. Opie and Anthony from way back when. I guess they're very Howard Stern that kind of thing. But now it's Opie and Jam. Anthony's gone. Whatever. Regardless, uh, they're on the show, and it was two separate times that he had been on the show. The first one though, I thought was super crazy. This is so far fucking off topic. But it was really interesting, so I'm going to keep going with it anyway. Fucking <laughs> tangents. Um, so, yeah, he was on the show. This one was uh, – he was pumping his new movie, whatever the hell it was. I don't even – whether it was him and his brother. Um, but the other the other half of the show was when he came back – or came into the, the studio, rather, when he was Borat. And he did the whole interview as Borat. He was Borat <laughs> the second he walked in the room and all the way through walking out. And I was, It was really cool to hear somebody completely improvise in character. Like yeah. you see it in a movie where it's all polished up and they edited out all the bad spots where he didn't do a good job. Hearing him do it all just like that was 100% off the cuff was really interesting. 
Well, and uh, I know I don't know if you mentioned it in that interview, but I know he says like, you know, when the cops show up, it's like I'm still Borat, like I'm not breaking character. Yeah, yeah, he did talk about that a little bit because they got in some crazy situations on uh, Bruno. He was talking about that a little bit during the interview. He was doing modern one for this new movie, and yeah, he just does not break character for nothing. He was about to get the hell beat out of him in a room, and he just stuck <laughs> with character and then just bolted out of there as soon as he got the chance. Never broke once. Like that's balls, dude. That's crazy balls. What what I think's interesting about uh, the, the scene with uh, with him in that chair is like this creepy situation. So in a lot of t- I think this is kind of I, I don't know if it really is meant to be a nod to society, but you know there's a lot of times where people will put themselves in situations that are dangerous, mm-hmm. but they're scared to really do anything because because they don't want to come off as rude. Right. Um, I think. Uh, uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, I think it kind of referenced that too, where the guy is investigating what's going on. He goes to the guy's house. And he's like, oh, this dude is a killer. And when he shows up, he's like, you know, being all friendly with him. And the idea behind that is, you know, the killer ends up saying, he's like, you know, you knew I was the killer, but you were too scared to be rude to run away or do something about it because you didn't want to come off as rude. And I kind of get like the feeling like in this scenario, like you would see this guy sitting there in the wheelchair and start getting a little creepy with the stuff he's talking about. Yeah. The the main thing I think about on that is like when he's talking about the whale dick or the walrus dick. <laughs> the, the baculum, <laughs> I believe, is what it was called. Yeah. He's like, is this a whale cock? <laughs> and, uh, it looks know, like one of those little Louisville slugger bats, yeah. you know? <laughs> and and if, if some you know creepy dude I'm alone with is like, oh, I'm a dirty boy, ain't I? I'm like, yeah, I guess you are. I'm gone. Sorry. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. You're right. To each That's their the own. Creepiest but. line that happens in this movie, probably. Definitely the first creepy line. That should have raised an eyebrow for sure. I'm a naughty boy, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't say that to another man. Yeah. You just like, don't. I, I've just met you for 10 minutes. <laughs> All I know is you're an old guy who spent a lot of time at sea. You're in a wheelchair, and now you're going on naughty boy on me? I don't. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. Is this where this friendship's going already? And that's what I was trying to figure out when I first saw this. I'm like, well, is he hitting on him? Like, is that his attempt here is to actually hit on this guy? Like, is, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> Some weird homoerotic background that we aren't yeah. catching on to yet? What am I missing here? Yeah, it was it was a creepy line. That whole baculum thing I thought was kind of interesting. I had never known that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just to kind of get back on it. It's, so they're just kind of chit-chatting for a while. Um Wallace, you know, goes to the bathroom or whatever and comes back. They've got and he's got tea ready. Before he went to the bathroom, he asked him if you want some tea. Yeah, sure. Great. Um, So now he's back. He's sipping some tea. He's like, oh, he's making a face like this is great fucking tea. Eventually brings it up. All that good business. Um, So they're just kind of back and forth in a little bit. Um, Do you want to cover like any of the dialogue that's during that little part or? Uh, I mean, the big thing I think about on that is. he kind of mentions like he's explaining to him what a podcast is. There's a good back and forth where they're talking about their grandma, grandparents. Right, right. And or, or uh, when it tells him about his wife and her fart policy. Yeah. And Wallace says something about like, my grandma would say, hell is your children. A chain smoker. Yeah. A terrible woman. <laughs> hell is your children. You're great. She was awful. <laughs> <laughs> You're great. She was <laughs> Yeah, because I think he goes, old people are the worst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're great. She was awesome. <laughs> but I mean, again, you think of this like, this dude's just a dick. You know, you're so like. So rude. <laughs> <laughs> just talking shit about his grandma right in front of this guy he's only known for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, I know. So then he kind of gets into his whole um, adventures at sea. You know, he met Ernest Hemingway. 
Um, he talks about the whole, you know, never do anything drunk that you wouldn't do sober. And he gets to see the bottle on that. But I guess he, when he talks about his actual first introduction to the guy, to the walrus, he names Mr. Tusk. You know, you get some more kind of Smodcastian background stuff where, you know, he was out at sea uh, searching for the great white shark, you know, the 25-foot great white shark. Which, yeah, that's a, that's a definite nod to Kevin's gigantic love for Jaws. Yeah, and they, they end up hitting, I can't remember if it was an iceberg or what they hit, but the ship ends up crashing. That's exactly what it was. It was an iceberg. An iceberg. Okay. Yep. And uh, everybody gets, you know, basically killed but him, and a walrus saves his life. A walrus saves your life? <laughs> yeah, man. It was crazy. <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> being saved by a walrus. Oh, God. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I have a huge fear of, of, like, sharks and water like that. Like, in that scenario, I'm like, just kill me. Something kill me. Something's brushing up against me. I've been stranded for hours. Fuck this. I'm done. Just take me. A, gr- but, a Siberian great white, right? That's what they were looking for? Yeah, that's what they were looking for. The, the great, mysterious Siberian great white. The whale eater. Yeah, the whale eater. That's right. So they end up, some Wallace, or so uh, um, Howard Hugh and Mr. Tusk end up, you know, getting on this uh, small island, I believe. And, you know, he goes on about how, like, you know, I've never had a friendship like I did with Mr. Tusk. You yeah. know, it was. It was Ponder Rock. Ponder Rock, yeah, another nod to a Kevin Smith mythos. <laughs> oh, dude, that was one of my all-time favorites. Emo Kev. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so many memories of the episode just flooded back of how much of a douche he is in that episode. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah, because he recorded it when he was, what, like 18, 19 on God, one of those yeah, old was, recorders? Uh, just about 19. I think he had just graduated by the time <laughs> you hear the last part of the recordings. <laughs> and, I, and listening to that, I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I would have recorded 18-year-old Sean because it would have been just basically emo Kev 2.0. And in a 2. way, I, 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 like, I think by the time I heard that episode, I was uh, we were already starting the show, and it's like, I'm kind of doing that already. Like... I'm going to look back on this when I'm like 40, 50 years old and be like, what the fuck was wrong with me? <laughs> I mean, in a way, we're kind of doing that. I mean, granted, you're a little bit older than I am, but still, like, time's still going to pass. It's not like we've even reached our midlives. So we're going to look back on this in 30, 40, 50 years and be like, Jesus, we were jackasses. <laughs> well, he's only even doing it 20 years later, and he's like, what the hell was wrong with me? <laughs> I'm just excited for the fact that, you know, like, you know, my grandkids or my kid will be able to listen to this and be like, Dad, did you seriously talk about bonobos having sex and orgies? <laughs> like, yes, son. Yes, I did. Hippos in Lady Town, Dad? <laughs> Hippos in Lady Town? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I laughed. It's funny, but come on, Dad. I expect better from you, Father. <laughs> You're supposed to set an example. You're just getting this lecture from a ten year old. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's more demeaning than being lectured by your son. <laughs> you're, like you're honey, you take care of your son. kid. He's <laughs> yeah. killing my dreams. Sweetie, the son's <laughs> lecturing me again. <laughs> the son, I have a name. What's wrong with you, Dad? <laughs> it's Tim, remember Tim? You named me after your great uncle. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, their boat gets sank by an iceberg, and uh, the Ponderock 
So they floated ashore. He's hanging out on Ponder Rock. That was quite the digression all of a sudden. Um, Walrus saved him, all that good stuff, and uh, he ended up using Mr. Tusk as uh, a little helper friend on the island. He was, he was a good buddy. He kept him alive the whole time. It was, so they became best friends, as he's kind of describing in this story. And he's, as they say it actually in the podcast, I've never known anyone to be as kind since uh, human or otherwise, I believe is how it's phrased. Yeah, it's, I mean, this, this, like, you, this is like your best friend to like the 10th degree. Well, when you're on an island alone for three years, <laughs> you don't point. got much for options. <laughs> it's like it wasn't a beach, so there wasn't even like crabs running around. So it was the walrus or nothing. Tom Hanks was hanging out for a volleyball for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't much else for options. And I mean, so and I know as this is going on that he's kind of finishing up the story and you kind of start seeing uh, Wallace get a little teary eyed and kind of like he's starting to act a little drunk. Yeah, and that's when you see him just take sure. the fall. He's like, what'd you do to my boom? Yeah, this dude just spiked his tea. Yeah, you get some like uh, behind Wallace's eyes kind of views and it's like it's getting drunk goggle looking and everything's wavy. And yeah, the fall is so convincing. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, again, performance was amazing. So then, convincing. And then Mr. Howard Hugh does not miss a beat. Right as he's passed out laying on the floor, it's like, oh, they're there. Mr. Tusk, straight from the podcast. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Best fall I've ever seen, followed by an absolutely awesome line. Um, So, yeah, that's the end of that scene. And then we jump into a flashback for the first time in the movie, I believe. And, I believe so. Uh, we, is this... Oh, yeah, this is the very first one. Uh, yeah, so we get a flashback, and uh, Wallace is seeming like he's enjoying himself a little bit. Yeah, he's getting uh, with his uh, beautiful girlfriend, Miss Allie. Um, she's going down to, I guess, Wally Town, <laughs> uh, taking care of him a little bit. Wally but and this and <laughs> and this is again where, like, I think I wrote like Wallace is a dick like thirty times on this paper because you know she stops. She's like, I don't want you to go to Canada because she knows whenever he goes anywhere, he's cheating on her. Like, you kind of get an idea that she knows that. Yeah, she, she's let in on some sort of secret that he doesn't know. And, of course, he's, like, using Teddy against, like, you know, I can't because if – I think he's lying to her that Teddy goes with him. I kind of think that that's the, the idea that she has. So she doesn't think he's going by himself. Oh, really? And that's kind of the feel I get because he was talking about, like, you know, if, if you go, Teddy doesn't do very well. He says you that – he says that – you ruined my my mojo or whatever, so you know, just get back down to Wally Town and you know, just not worry about it, basically. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. But he's such a dick because they they have this whole conversation about she's like you know, basically pleading with him not to leave her. You know, it's almost like she's pleading for the relationship. And I don't know, right. this may be too deep for it, but it really feels like she's like, you know, this is this feels like this will be the end of what we are. No, it's definitely not reading too deep. I mean, you very much get that feel. I agree wholeheartedly. And all he cares about is getting his dick sucked. He wants that beach so bad <laughs> that fuck her feelings is the only thought he has. Like, come on, you can't leave me like that. Yeah, you can't do like, this. He just yeah. So she's like, no. I mean, we gotta talk about. It. He's like, all right, well, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Starts tugging it out. Another one of the off. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, no, stop. There's a oh, very no. audible like. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time is. <laughs> 
But like he's they like go a- through this whole part where like he's uh, the good wall or the new Wally, old Wally thing, and that I thought was probably one of the douchiest things he talks about in the entire movie. Yeah, he's yeah, like definitely. old Wallish was uh, old Wallish Wallish Wallace was an unfunny douchebag nerd who never got any pussy. New Wallace made a hundred thousand dollars last year in ad sales alone. Or something huh. to that effect. New Wally's funny. Like, all that kind of stuff. It's like, Jesus, you have a giant head on you about I being this re- podcaster. I didn't even realize that you said, like, old Wallace didn't get any pussies. Like, and she says, like, well, old Wallace had me. So he was. It just wasn't the amount of pussy he's getting now from the the fangirl trim. The cra- Yeah, the crazy trim, as he likes oh, to refer to it. Dude is such a dick. He's a real piece of shit. Again, just he really plays off that just American piece of garbage caricature that we have about us. Well, I think it goes back to, I said it a little bit earlier, but it's like that internet famous. It's like, I'm a big fish in a small pond. You know, I've, I've built this thing that, you know, yes, it is successful, but it's still not, you know, the epilogue of entertainment. You know, you're good in your niche, but you're not, you know, this God amongst people. You're, you're successful amongst like what, maybe a hundred thousand people worldwide. Yeah, something like that, yeah. 500,000, you know, like, even Joe Rogan barely cracks a million per episode, you know, and he's, like, one of the top podcasters out there. So, like, how good can they really be doing if they made $100,000 in ad sales and all that good stuff? So it's like, you're not even that big. You're big to about 500,000 people out of 7 billion. Yeah, you're not a household name. You know, the the hanger honors that want to bang you, you know, they're, you know, they're they're not, they're not Allie. Allie is a beautiful woman. Gorgeous. I mean, let's take a second. I mean, I know you got a wife, and I almost do too. But good gravy, this she's, lady is beautiful. Yeah, she's an attractive lady. And he's being a real piece of garbage. I mean, the first scene you get of her, she's just sitting there with her bra and beeging him, and he yeah. just can't possibly appreciate that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> What's that's, wrong that's, with you? That's the American dream right there. <laughs> You're living it, sir. <laughs> the podcast is like a fifth of it. The <laughs> other four fifths are right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she, I mean, she pleads for him as they're on the bed and he's, you know, still like, hey, just, just do your duty, babe. So I can get back to, you know, what I'm really passionate about is which is going on the road to bang other women. <laughs> And so, so he gets his eyes kind of fluttering. And you get the kind of pan on his face, and that comes back to him, kind of like groggily waking up, coming out of like a, almost an anesthesia. Yeah, more so than even just like you got knocked out, bud. And this is a great because you kind of get the pan back, and he can tell he's you know it's like I don't know I've had my wisdom teeth pulled out. And it's kind of that same thing. You're you're groggy coming back. You're not real sure of your surroundings. Um, I think I took a video of myself. Talking about how I was scared to get a boner while I was getting my wisdom teeth taken out. Uh, so. Why isn't that on the Language of Bromance YouTube page? <laughs> it's it's going on there at some point. <laughs> I sure hope so. I need to see that. And I'm sure the rest of them do too. Your fans, that is. <laughs> but so, so he's groggily coming out of this, and you see him in a wheelchair. And this, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue. And I don't think I have all of it, but the dialogue between Howard Hughes and uh, Wallace about what happened with the spider and why he's now missing a leg is just gold. It's, I mean, of course he's all drugged up, but like if he weren't, this would be the point that he's like, this guy's fucked in the head. 
And then he is drugged up and can still realize it. Like, okay. You can see it on his face. Like, this guy's not being fully honest with me. Yeah, because it starts out, he's like, oh, um, you, I saw a spider. There was a spider. It bit you. And he's like, a spider? That's, um, you know, why am I not in the hospital? And he's like, oh, uh, the, the doctor came and saw you. The doctor came and saw you, and he, you know, he took care of you. You know, it's all sanitary here, so you're good. He's like, I need my phone. Uh, um, uh, the, the doctor stepped on it. When you fell, your phone fell out, and the doctor stepped on it. Oh, well, can I use one of your phone? I need to call my, I need to call my girlfriend. And like each of these things, the story just gets like more out there and more out there. It's like, oh no, well the doctor said all the phones have to be out of the house so you can, you can relax and recover. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We go from a spider knocked you on your ass to, oh no, we didn't need a hospital. We have a doctor to, oh, your phone got stepped on. Sorry, bro. To, oh, we can't have any phones in this house. They might disturb you. Are you kidding me? Like, that's degrading faster than a third grader's lies. And that's what, I mean, yeah, that's what it seems like. It's like you're talking to a third grader being like, hey, where's all the cookies? Uh, an alien took them? What? <laughs> right? You can't, you can't just jump to that. You need to have more backstory. What is going on? Yeah, so you start to see on his face, he's like, man, something ain't right. But uh, he's, you know, right away he's got his chug-a-lug. There's a little bit of back and forth before it gets real weird. But then, yeah, it, there's just nothing he can really do. And he's like, okay, that's weird. That doesn't make any sense. I can't feel my legs. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's because of the spinal injection, I think is what he says. Yeah, he said the spinal injection. He's like, your uh, legs swelled up to the size of a pumpkin or a cantaloupe or something. I think so uh, I think he says his ankle swelled to the size of an elephant's ankle. Yeah. He's like, what kind of elephant? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He even snickered at that. <laughs> After all the weirdness with the phones, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the yeah, he's like the doctor had to remove it and then that's when he flips open the the sheet and sees that he is missing a leg i guess i guess we forgot to mention backing up while he's waking up you see howard hughes polishing what looks like the, a, a nice shaped tusk it sure does yeah don't know what it's made of you know maybe he's got maybe he's got some uh, ivory hanging around out there that he likes to polish i don't know perhaps he's a wizard with some plaster <laughs> I am not one to judge. It's just very well crafted. I will give him that. But I love, like, once again, great performance. When he figures out that he's missing a leg, like, you you feel like he has just come to the realization. He's like, I don't have a fucking leg. Right. It didn't feel like a movie performance of my leg is gone. It felt like a like a like an initial shock of you can't even believe your leg is gone instead of just like the immediate, ah! you know, like. Like, uh, kind of your classic horror bitch would just kind of scream, you know? Yeah. Whereas this felt like a real reaction. Like, oh, my God, m- my leg's gone. M- and then again, he's drugged up the whole time, so he's, like, half drooling through this conversation oh, yeah. and everything, too. So, oh, my leg is gone. My- Where's I, my leg? That That is a real, like, that's a real uh, situation. That's how you would act, I think. Yeah, I feel like that's very much how I would panic if I was just coming out of an anesthesia, in, or anesthesia anesthetic-induced coma and realizing I have no leg. And what's great, too, so, like, he's, like, he's kind of, he, he doesn't really get settled down too much. There's still shock. But Howard Hughes, you know, with his little electric wheelchair, turns around, starts driving away. And the whole time he's fighting snickering. It's like... <laughs> My leg just got cut off, and you're laughing at me. <laughs> right. And he's pulling away, and there's a great shot with his back to 
to um, Wally. And he's sitting there. He's like, I just want to say that I'm really sorry for what happened. <laughs> Dinner's at six sharp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. It's so just, fuck you. Yeah, it's just nonchalant. It's like, yeah, dinner's at six. <laughs> Sharp, not even like at six. <laughs> Sharp, be there at six. <laughs> you uh, piece of shit. Where else is he gonna go? Come on. <laughs> so now there's no phones in the house. He's missing a leg. The doctor's doing his rounds and is expected for dinner at six. That's a rough spot to be in. It's a pretty rough spot. But then we get to the dinner scene. So yeah, we cut to the dinner scene. So you have Howard Hughes on one spot. And then all the way at the other end is Wallace. I mean, one of those classic pan across this retarded long uh, table oh, and, type uh, things. Oh, dude, it's so good. Yeah, and it's just like my first thought when I saw this is I'm like, who made this food? Because, again, you know, he's kind of crippled, so you'd think he wouldn't get around very well. But this is a well-propelled meal. We, know, we haven't yet to see any sort of help or any nanny or anything like that in the house. No, yeah, it's just him. It's just him by himself, it seems like. But naturally, Wallace questions none of it. He does pretty quickly, though. I did make note of that. So he kind of pans over. He asks, like, hey, you're not eating your food. And I think he says something like he can't feel his hands or he can't feel his mouth or yeah, something like that. I can't move my arms. Yeah. And, like, it pans back to, to Howard. I think he says something. And then when it gets back to, to Wallace, Wallace, unlike many horror movies, he's quickly like, there was no spider, was there? And we get back to, to Howard, and Howard's like, oh, yeah, there was a spider. It was the Itsy Bitsy Spider. The Itsy Bitsy Spider. <laughs> I fucked that freak the shit out of me. It was so creepy. Climbed oh, up to the water spout. Sound came the rain <laughs> and washed the spider out. <laughs> and he like, just starts laughing like a crazy man. Instantly. It was so creepy. Instantly, as you know, as Wallace again, I think feels like more as like a real life character. Is like, what the fuck did I just get myself into? Uh, yeah, uh, and, and nails the reaction. Just let me the fuck out of here, you nutbag! Oh, and yeah, so he starts freaking out, yelling, "Help! Help!" Howard stands up. It's like, oh shit, this dude can walk. Like very authoritatively too. Like yes. he's just like, I've had enough of this. Walks over and just smacks the shit out of him. Pimp slaps, lays that bitch into place. Keeping that pimp hand strong. <laughs> Making Dave Chappelle proud. <laughs> uh, what happens after that? Uh, they have yeah. a little bit of a discussion. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, he bitch slaps him. Um, and then he goes back to his seat, sits down, doesn't really say much. And then it, and the, after he sits down, he starts to begin to, s to describe the walrus suit that he's been constructing for the oh, last yeah. however many years. And he's putting Wally into this suit. Yeah. So like, OK, so first you're like, I just got sh slapped by this dude. Like, I'm going to die. This dude's going to like cut me up and kill me. No, it's a lot worse than that. He is explaining, he's like, listen, I'm going to put you in this walrus suit that I've made, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, he's missing a leg already, and he's tied to a chair, heavily drugged. What are you going to do? He is in a terrible spot. This dude has, at this point, abducted him, amputated limbs, pretended to be a cripple, like, 
how do you even imagine a way out of this in Wally's position at this point? It it must feel so helpless. Like I think that's what makes this story so interesting is that despite the the silliness and all that that's behind it is it does have a true kind of sense of terror because if you were in this position and this is a fairly reasonable position to be in honestly I mean as again crazy as it sounds in modern society with the internet and what that makes people capable of this could totally happen. Oh yeah, pretty easily I bet. So you'd be horrified absolutely losing your mind well and like most horror movies when somebody's in this situation too they're like they don't know what's going on you know why is there a killer outside my window why is there a killer in my house this you are sitting there looking at the person who's going to kill you basically and they are telling you word for word what's going to happen so there's no surprises you know what's going to happen you're getting sewn into a walrus outfit and you're going to be my bitch walrus for the rest of your life. Oh, you're just waiting for a clock to strike 12 and you are going to be in that suit. Yeah. That's all you have to wait for. And then, well, full walrus. So what can you do? Um, so they're at the dinner table and he's just like, why would you do this to me? Like, why, why, why would you put me in this walrus suit? Um, and to answer the question, his, excuse me, his reply is to answer the question which has plagued us since we crawled from the earth and stood erect in the sun. Is man indeed a walrus at heart? <laughs> like, I love I, that line. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe anybody has ever asked themselves that question. Right? The question that has plagued us since we came from the dirt. <laughs> You're I remember the on first my, one, Howard, asking this question. I want you to know that. <laughs> I remember on my first viewing, I was like, he was going to say something like, is man truly animal at heart or something along those lines? It's like, no. Is man truly a walrus at heart? Playing true to the episode 259 exit. And what I love, and this, I mean, this goes back to like the great acting in this. So Waller, Wallace, you know, is asked this question, like, is man truly a walrus at heart? And he just starts screaming at the top of his lungs. And Howard doesn't come down and smack him. He just starts screaming with him, bellowing like a walrus, and does the creepy, it's the weirdest thing. Oh. Like, it don't, It starts out as like, he, yeah, just kind of like a normal yell that you would expect. He's like, ah, <laughs> like it devolves into this weird, like, kind of guttural just very vicious sound it's like but also you're picturing this is like almost a 70 year old man that's yeah. doing all of this and making these like aggressive faces and going <laughs> right at you but across from like a 20 foot table at the same time <laughs> well again it's such it's a so real ridiculous a realistic uh reaction to that too because you know you know, Wallace is yelling for help, and all of a sudden this dude's yelling with him and then making these sounds. He just stops and stares at him like, what the fuck is going on? A look of absolute shock in his eyes. No clue what to think of this. You, you really, yeah, it's, you just identify with, like, that is true terror. Like I was saying, like, you can't feel any more scared than he probably feels in that moment. I think from there, uh, if I remember right, it cuts to his girlfriend, Allie, with the down the camera shot mm -hmm. where she's talking about being, um, you know, cheat, like cheated on. She's like, you know, basically, again, you're getting reassured that this Wallace guy is just a total dick and she knows it. And she's talking about how, you know, 
every time you know she's with somebody you don't know who and then you see a hand come out which is a kind of a fat hand which at first i thought was kevin smith's hand i think he's uh, i think he even got that question at a q and a or two is like was that your hand he's like no yeah yeah no i'm not an actor <laughs> <laughs> If he's going to be on screen, he's going to put his face in it. Yeah. We all know that's Kevin Smith. But she says a great line in that where she's like, um, oh, how she say it? Something to the effect of like, every time we do this, I feel like we're being broken down into like our animal instincts or something along those lines. Yeah. She mentions animals somewhere in there. There's a, uh, actually a couple of references to that. Um, I think I'll just point out the other one uh, in a little while when we get to that flashback. But it's uh, kind of similar to that, just just something kind of small that comes in the conversation that leads to what the very like well the third act ends up being. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting little foreshadowing bit and kind of a, a callback to the overall you know, kind of the idea of the movie, despite the silliness of it. Is you know we are kind of animals on some level. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we just kind of get the scene that really she just confirms that this is. Um, he's this guy, I know he's this guy, and I'm doing something with this other person behind his back as a way of kind of getting back at him because I know what the fuck's going on. And even though she feels wrong about it, he reminds her of why she's doing what she's doing all the time, and it makes her realize why she is in that position to be doing what makes her feel so bad about him. She's doing kind of the same thing, and at the same time it's like this is this is my revenge like i'm doing this so that he can feel my pain someday it's almost like she's waiting for the time is right is kind of how i took it yeah to an extent i mean i almost got a little bit of like this is how she's keeping her sanity in all this you know her her boyfriend that she loves is doing these things and treating her like complete shit but his best friend who he does this show with you know is coming to her rescue and treating her like the woman she deserves to be treated like you know and, and they can't really come out in the open with this because it would destroy their show. It would destroy their friendship. It would destroy her and uh, Wally's relationship. So it's kind of like, this is just what keeps us both sane. Right. I mean, and that's what makes it so complicated. Of course, it's like in her position, you ask yourself, well, why don't you just leave this piece of garbage if he's just doing this all the time? But then of course it's the complication of, I mean, I guess we're sort of spoiling, but the whole thing's spoilers, so why not? Um, that it is Teddy on the other side of the lens here, and he's the one consoling her and kind of making her feel good, and what they have together is what makes her feel guilty when Wally's not around. And you'd think, well, why not just leave Wally? But then, of course, you know, you're not even thinking about Teddy's side of it and all that and how he's connected to Wally, too, and it, like you're saying, destroys the show. And it this literally would ruin all three of them if this were to ever get out instead of just getting her out of a bad situation. So it's just like they're all stuck in this awful cataclysmic situation waiting for the bomb to get triggered. Yeah, and we get the great scene after that. So she's like, hey, so go brush your teeth and, you know, come back here, um, which is another ode to, to you know, the Smodcast universe. I guess Kevin Smith, whenever he wants to get busy with his wife, she tells him to go brush his teeth. Mm. Uh, we're actually kind of jumping ahead a little bit there. That's uh, uh like they revisit oh, this flashback. Oh, shit. Yeah, sorry. Nah, that's not that big a deal. Uh, we'll just jump right back into where we first were. Um, let's see here. Now, uh, it cuts from the alley scene back to the first scene we get with Teddy and Wallace, uh, where they're wrapping up the show, and then they go play foosball. Yeah, so they finish up the show. They're going to play foosball, and Wallace has this big thing about talking about, like, he doesn't want to take Allie with him because he, you know, he's not going to get roadhead if he takes Allie with him. Yep. 
And this is actually another one of those spots, that, uh, the one I was actually referencing just before that they uh, make kind of the animal reference again, is he talks about how the foosball guys have flippers instead of feet. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Good call. Just a, yeah, yeah. just a little bit, just a little small thing in there, just this kind of a foreshadow to how the movie ends. Uh, but yeah, they're just kind of talking some shit, and you f- this is when you find out that, okay, so Wallace is really candid with Teddy about how big of a piece of garbage he is right after finding out uh, everything we knew about Teddy and Allie. So it it's yeah. kind of sums up that whole relationship for you here in two quick scenes. Well, and even in the show, so they're talking like Allie and Teddy are going to go to the Getty, and they make the scenes like, oh, Allie and Teddy go to the Getty. Oh, that's so cute. You should make a show out of that. <laughs> It's an art gallery. Is that what it was? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just kind of interesting. It's like, listen, you know, your girlfriend, you won't take your girlfriend to see art, so your best friend has to. He's like, listen, I love art. Look at this place. Look at this place here. You know, I love art when my face is on it. And that's when they talk about the, you know, the masturbatory room. He's like, you know what? I've never jerked off in this room, which is surprising because I jerk off everywhere. (laughs) Don't we all, I guess. (laughs) Well, I love the part too is they're talking about um, him cheating on on Allie. You know, he kind of like, he almost has like a little bit of you know like self loathing. He's like, you know, I I know I sound shitty right now, but then he jumps back right in. And is like, well, how am I not going to get laid if I don't do this kind of thing? Yeah, it's, like it, it's a total false remorse, which it, it's very disingenuous the way he says it. I can't remember any much else that happens in there. It's really just kind of comes to that part where he talks about him being shitty right now. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much how that scene ends. There's not a whole lot uh, else to go along with that. They just kind of fill you in on what's going on with the whole relationship there. Um, let's see here. If he cheats on her. He's got his reasons. Blah 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 blah. Um, so now we're back with Wallace. We're back at the house with Wally now, and uh, you hear that awesome tone that we came yes. from Babylon. So his phone is nearby and it's going off and he just kind of woke up to it. And so now he's trying to chase down where this phone call sound is coming from. But he doesn't make the first one in time. Yeah, you kind of see him go back and forth on the camera. He goes one direction. He's like, oh, shit, it's over here. Starts going the other direction. And uh, you kind of see on the other end of the line that Allie's like, man, he hasn't responded in three days. I haven't heard from him in three days. That's unlike Wally. He may be a piece of shit, but he doesn't leave me hanging just that long. Um, and then he ends up calling her back, but she has left the bathroom. And as she was saying, what I was just describing her feelings to uh, Teddy is when he's calling back and he ends up having to leave a message. And this is, I, I wrote this down. This is why you do not put your phone on silent. Never put your phone on silent. Yeah. I think she just had it on vibrate. I think you can hear it vibrate a little bit, but like it's in the bathroom and they're in a whole nother room. You're not going to hear that. It's like on some sort of docking bay too. So it kind of muffles yeah. the vibrate. It's not like it was just sitting on tile. I think Teddy ends up coming back as he's calling and doesn't answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Teddy goes in uh, to brush his teeth to go to the bathroom or some garbage before he goes to bed. And yeah, that's when he actually sees Wally's calling, but ignores the call altogether. And this is where you get the great scene from the trailer where he's going on about like all the stuff that's happening. He's like, I don't want to die in Canada. <laughs> like that's some sort of horrible insult. Yeah. I don't want to die in the land of Tim Hortons. <laughs> I mean, I saw that in the trailer and like, it's like, Haha, that's funny. I don't want to die in ca- Canada. But the way he says it, it's like, oh God, that's so creepy. Y- you believe he is scared to die in this particular part of Canada. And, uh, and I mean, you get, so he, he explains everything that's going on. And you get like the the slow walk in the shadows of Howard walking up to him. 
and I don't know if you'd foreshadow it from the beginning, but he just gets bitch slapped with that walrus dick right in the back of the head. <laughs> I loved that they used the walrus baculum. <laughs> it just like it was an unnecessary callback, but it was like for anyone that noticed it, it was a sweet callback at the same time. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that that's the end of that scene. He got his phone calls out. Nobody got him. He ended up leaving a message. Whack! Back him to the fucking head. Uh, so now we've got morning time, and Allie's waking up and doing a little bit of the morning business. You know, you wake up, you you rub your eyes a little bit, you go in the bathroom, you grab your phone, stick a toothbrush in your mouth, go to take a pee real quick, check your messages. You know, it's modern society. And uh, so she's sitting on the can, brushing her teeth a little bit, checking her voicemails. And, uh, well, we all know what she finds, being as how we just said, Wally left her that voicemail. And shit just got real. I've never seen a girl pull her pants up one-handed so fast in my life. <laughs> and so well at that. They weren't even hanging off on the one side, so good for her. Um, That's the magic of movies. She actually didn't have her <laughs> pants down at all. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. I've been fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> These movies are full of lies. Trickery. Witchcraft. <laughs> hey, speaking of witchcraft, side note, I watched The Last Witch Hunter with Vin Diesel the other day. Check it out, folks. It's good stuff. It's kind of cheesy at points because it's Vin Diesel. Think about it. But <laughs> it's also epic because it's Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> and they stay really true to some cool go uh, witch lore. So, yeah. Side oh, note, nice. check it out. That's that. Um, so, yeah. She runs back into the bedroom from the bathroom and she's like, oh, my God, Wally's in trouble. He's, she's talking to Teddy, of course. Um, that, and that's pretty much the end of that. Let's see. Yeah. So then we get to where, uh, you see Howard kind of like sewing something. And this is where I get, basically it's the story of how evil Batman was created. Evil <laughs> bat walrus man. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going, and I, and I don't know if, if, uh, Howard is lying about all these things. Cause he talked about his, uh, you know, Mr. Tusk situation. And he talks about this and I don't know if he's just a pathological liar and he's making all these stories up or if he's actually lived these things. And that's what created the evil character. He is. I thought about that too, actually. I'm glad I'm not the only one that had that uh, occurrence. So he's talking about, um, as a kid, him and his mom were leaving, uh, I believe it was a theater or, or some kind of exhibit type thing. And somebody came up and stabbed his dad and cut his mom's throat. And so he found his way into uh, a wayward uh, boy's orphanage, basically. That was run by the church, actually. Yeah, cause he said that, like, basically, to get more money, they decided that it would be better to uh, basically say that they're run like a crazy house. So all these people were crazy. These kids that were just orphans were crazy so they could get more money. Right. Well, the time that he spent in the boy's home, let's start with, was not good. Before no oh excuse me I'm saying this wrong I have it backwards it, they split them up and then it gets bad right yeah because um, then priests uh, politicians he said even the nuns would take advantage of them right yeah so once they get put in this mental institution he's like I I was raped I was beaten by any number of people you know priests and lawyers and congressmen I just lived a horrible life and then at the age of fifteen he ran away. And I, too, wondered, like, okay, is this real? Was anything before this real that we heard of stories? Is the whole Ernest Hemingway thing real? What was that bottle? Was that a, a well-thought-of, like, story that he came up with just to be rather convincing? Like, what is all this? Because it does seem like most of it has to be bullshit. Like, how does a guy that's in this mental state have anything that could be true from what he said so far? 
Well, and, and this could be a dude that fits to his surroundings. So, like, this guy shows up. He doesn't want to come to the house to stay. He just wants to hear stories. So he's like, oh, you want to hear stories? I can give you a shit ton of stories. None of them are real. I can make up all kinds of shit, and you're going to eat it all up. He Kaiser Soze'd him. Yeah. <laughs> he used the stuff in the room and Kaiser Soze'd him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if you... I don't know if you caught this part, but as he's as he's sewing, he's got the gloves on, and he keeps rubbing his nose with all this blood on the glove. But no blood transfers. Oh yeah, none transfers. Yeah, but still, just the fact it's like he's cutting this dude up, and he he's wearing gloves, I guess, for sanitary reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he keeps rubbing his nose with his bloody glove. Putting his bloody hands near his orifices kind of defeats <laughs> the purpose of the gloves, man. <laughs> The other thought I had during this scene was uh, when they're kind of panning around the room and they're showing like some uh, anatomical charts and that kind of stuff is it felt like uh, an homage to like during the episode they talk about the human centipede a bunch and it feels uh-huh. like an homage to a scene in human centipede when they do a very similar thing where they kind of pass across his plans of like how to attach a human's face to another human's asshole. Gotcha. <laughs> and yeah, it, it felt like kind of an homage to that. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what he talked about in that podcast, like fitting different movies in to make this one movie. So, I mean, that's pretty, I haven't seen Human Centipede yet because mm-hmm. of the things I've heard, I don't know if I want to see it. But. Yeah, it's definitely something you have to stomach more so than enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it, and unfortunately, John Cusack didn't end up making it into the final cut. So, you know, it didn't 100% follow the, uh, the podcast. But hey, it still ended up good. So we've got this scene where he's kind of talking about what his childhood is, not like, you know, good old Justin Long can hear him at all because he's definitely knocked out while this whole surgery thing's going on. He's sewing him up and all that good stuff. So uh, that's pretty much the whole thing. You're just kind of getting some backstory and like, okay, this is happening now. And kind of while he's explaining that, another thing you see is uh, Teddy and Allie have now called the cops. They're like, well, let's backtrack a little bit even. They're in Canada um, they're, they've been running around. You're kind of seeing pictures of them, like showing Wally off to people and nobody's like, we don't know. Like they go to the bar, the H bar and the guy behind the bar is like, I have no idea. And w- they went to some other place, I think. And it was like, Muh. and, uh, so then finally they're at a, at the police station, right? Yeah. Well, so they're the one part that before they're doing this, they're kind of calling the cops and everything. And uh, when they're talking to the cops, the, you hear, hear Allie on the phone and they say, well, do you have any recent pictures of Wallace? And she's like, yeah, if you go to the NaziParty.com and hear Teddy like, spell it, spell it. Oh, right. Yeah. And then they've already hung up. Yeah. By the time she tries to like correct herself at all. <laughs> it's like, oh, the, the podcast that I created has come back to bite me in the ass. <laughs> right. I did get a little ahead of myself here. Uh, that part happens. And then we get a bit of a jump back actually into Canada with Wally. Uh, so, yeah, um, after the, they get hung up on, uh, it's like, well, they're going to Canada. So then we get a jump back into uh, actual Canada land with Wally, and we're in, like, this weird, well, as they refer to it in the episode, enclave. And you kind of get, like, this brief glimpse of what is soon to be known as the new Mr. Tusk. And uh, you hear some screams, and then, boom, you see the Mr. Tusk. Oh, and, I mean, yeah, you get to see this early in the film. I I mean, it's, what, like 30, 45 minutes into it? I think this is close to an hour at this point. Okay, yeah, but it's not it's not like we're not saving this for the end. You're getting this, you know, pretty pretty decent into the movie. Yeah, this really ramps up before the end. And I didn't, um, every time I've seen this, and I didn't really catch it until later on, 
Um, it looks like his tongue was actually ripped out. I don't remember seeing his tongue at all when he was like kind of screaming. That's a good point. And I kind of thought about that later on. And I think the reason they did that is because since his tongue was ripped out, whenever he would cry or moan, it made more of a, a walrus kind of sound, a moan. Because if you have your tongue, you can still talk and say, you know, help me, help me. But walruses don't talk. Yeah. So without a tongue, you're just sounding like a moaning walrus. That's uh, that's actually, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because, I mean, when we meet Guy Lapointe, one of the things he talks about is how when, when they found, when he's found these bodies, the tongues are missing. So that would totally make sense. I've just never actually looked to see if they made sure if the tongue was missing. Yeah, I kind of peaked a little bit this time because this is like my third or fourth viewing. And you never see any red. It always looks kind of black. I don't know if that's just lighting or huh. anything like that, but that's kind of the impression I got. Yeah, I never even thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, and it would make a lot of sense too. So, but yeah, I mean, you at this point you've seen the full blown new Mister Tusk, and it is gruesome. Oh uh, yeah, it's 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 not just a like walrus outfit. It is a human skin walrus outfit. You're seeing. Ears and noses of other people. Um, I don't know how many faces I counted on there, but there was at least a couple. Right. I think, uh, on. I mean, maybe I'm making this up or imagining it in my head or what, but I feel like I even saw a belly button on there. And to me, whether or not this is true, that was almost like another throwback to like Justin Long's career with Jeepers Creepers. Like, oh yeah. Nice call. Yeah. Cause of his like weird rose belly button tattoo. And then in the second movie, his belly buttons on the throwing star and yeah, just one of them looked like a belly button. I was like, that seems a little too coincidental, but that um, would have been awesome if they put the rose tattoo on that. Right. That would be so fucking cool. Like huge nucks to Kevin Smith. If he got that <laughs> in without Justin Long's help, I guess. All right, so where does that leave us? That puts us back with uh, Teddy and Allie, right? Yeah, and they're at the police office, or yeah, the police station now, yeah. kind of talking with uh, the part his where name's, I was ahead of myself. <laughs> he says Frank Garman, I think is his name, yep. and they're playing the uh, the call that he left. Uh, the name Frank Garman. This is another interesting fact that uh, I actually read this one. Um, is in reference to another Hollywood Babylon episode where somebody emailed them and referred to Ralph as Frank. Like, they actually just didn't realize his first name was Ralph. <laughs> that's awesome. And they were calling him Frank Garman, apparently. And so that's why they named this particular character Frank Garman. <laughs> so just a little, another little insider thing. So uh, now we've got Teddy and Allie actually in the cop's office, like I was saying they were. And they're talking to this detective or uh desk duty cop whatever he happens to be and they're describing what's going on yeah and in here the, the funny line i got from this is he's like you know are you sure this isn't a prank you said you do one of those podcast comedy things you know like are you sure this isn't a gag like no he wouldn't do this that's not something he would do and they're like you know this feels like this is a serial killer or something like that he's like oh no canada doesn't have any serial killers <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> unless unless you count that pothead who you know polished off that whole thing of captain crunch from the a to z but other than that we don't have any <laughs> scan bc scott <laughs> rcmp responding to a man nude in the street eating captain crunch <laughs> with a samurai sword <laughs> <laughs> The Canada bags tear so easily. Sports. I don't think you need one of those. <laughs> I think you already have many a sword. Have you ever eaten Captain Crunch? It cuts up the inside of your mouth like you are <laughs> chewing on razor blades. Good call. 
<laughs> I loved that little line. Uh, no, Canada doesn't have serial killers. <laughs> We're too good up here. And that immediately brought me to the Scan BC episodes. I think, which they yeah. just released one today. What? Yeah. I think the Scan BCs came way after all the, the oh, oh, Tuscan way thing, after. right? Yeah. Way after. <clears throat> it just reminded me of that. Uh, so you can go ahead and take it from here. I, I've done a good, oh, one thing that I did want to bring up is I think he said, uh, monkey shiners as yeah. like pranks or hooliganism or shenanigans. I was like, I've never heard monkey shiners before. Yeah. I don't know if that's a Canadian <laughs> thing or what that is. <laughs> I, I never looked into it, but I thought it was the strangest term. So let's see. Yeah. So they're, they finish up with him. He's like, listen, I know this guy that, you know, he came in here the other day asking about this and he oh, gives right. him a card or a number. I don't think he says the name of him yet. Yeah. No, um, it just says some guy was stopping in talking about bodies that had uh, missing legs and something like that. But this is where we get back to the cave for the, the, the enclave for the second time. And as uh, Howard is talking to, to Wallace, he's basically telling him for you know for you to start becoming a walrus you need to learn to swim and you know the the horror on his face is you know he flips the switch and the chain starts pulling him to the water oh yeah uh, he is all the while chained up to something you never really see until this scene but you do notice it in the first one as well yeah it's some kind of i don't know just like reels in the chain a little bit to pull him into the water and, you know, you see him suffering and, you know, he's basically stands like, you got to swim, Mr. Tusk, you got to swim. And Wallace, you know, you see he gives up at this point. He's like, I'm just going to let myself drown. Like, I, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And you get, I think this is really the first uh, indication that, you know, Howard's done this before. Because as he's, you know, kind of floating to the bottom of the water, you see another Mr. Tusk, you know, decaying you know skeleton just laying there at the bottom of this water like in the walrus outfit and everything which so this a hundred percent happened before which i don't think that would make that water very sanitary i don't think you can have a decaying corpse in a water and it'd be sanitary to swim in um i am 100 percent sure that, <laughs> that is unacceptable <laughs> something tells me his filtration system isn't up to code <laughs> <laughs> but this is where you're seeing like he's he's going all out to make this guy become Mr. Tusk. You know, he's he's pushing this guy over the edge. Yeah, it's it's true. He's really going for for the whole nine. And just when he's given up, like that's pretty much the end of the scene. And this is where we get introduced to the one and only Guille Point. All right, folks, that's where we're gonna cut it off for this week. That's one and a half hours. Well, it's an hour and 29 minutes. And then there was my intro bullshit at the beginning and all that other stuff. So you got, fuck it, whatever. You got a whole other hour and a half coming. Woo! I don't know what else to say about that. So I'm just going to give you the normal spiel. Go ahead and find us on Twitter at Gentleman's Inc. Where you follow us there. You can check us out. That's where we're most commonly posting anything. Uh, we're probably the easiest to reach at Twitter. So if you want to get a hold of us, that's probably the easiest way. Um, our email is really accessible too. Gentleman's Inquiry at gmail.com. That's right. I'm doing this out of order. Fuck. Facebook.com slash Jens Inc. That's our Facebook page, obviously. Um, find us on iTunes. Just give us a little subscribe. Maybe throw up a rating. can always appreciate that. Uh, if you're not uh, an Apple person, you can find us on Stitcher. Um, I really should start looking into some more feeds just so that we can get people out there. Uh, but otherwise, we also have our homepage, and you, 
I'm pretty sure you can get Podbean app on both Android and Apple. So you can find us there, Gentleman's Inquiry on Podbean, or you can look us up on our URL at gentlemansinquiry.podbean.com. That's all I got. Um, I'm amazed I got through it that well. The alpha brain's kicking in. The coffee's starting to heat up. This is good. I feel good. Recording again a little bit, so just got to get my brain going. But for now, folks, looking forward to talking to you in a few days. Me and uh, Sean will wrap this shit up. This was, again, this was an honor and an awesome experience. So hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I did. Peace out, everybody.